Our text for today is our Old Testament text, and also thanks and credit to newly retired Reverend Rolf Preuss for some of the insights and words from today. In the name of Jesus. In our Old Testament story for today, we see two things emphasized. Number one, we see God's faithfulness, His faithfulness, emphasized and extolled. We also see and learn, number two, what true faith is all about. Now, God's faithfulness, quite simply, is that He keeps His Word. True faith is confidence that God keeps His Word. And to be fair, true faith, complete true faith, is really too difficult for us as sinners. Think of the man who cried out to Jesus, Lord, I believe, help me with my unbelief. And so a miracle occurs today in our Old Testament text, but probably not the miracle that you think. Most hear this story and think of the unending jar of flour and the continually full jug of oil, but miracles are always more than about earthly things. Consider what Elijah the prophet asked this widow, this woman, to do. She was to use up her very last bit of food, not to feed herself or her son, both whom were starving, who were ready to just have their final meal, to lay down and die, but instead to take this food and feed God's prophet. First, feed me, Elijah said. And I promise that you will have plenty of food for your son and yourself. Now let's talk a little bit about Elijah, shall we? Elijah who would command a widow and her son to give up the last bit of food and to trust him? Elijah, prophet of the Most High God, is most well known for his big battle with the prophets of Baal there on Mount Carmel. Baal was a false god. And the prophets, over 600 of them, well, they had a contest between the prophets of of Baal and between Elijah, between Baal, a false god, and the one true God, the Holy Trinity. And these 600-some prophets prayed night and day, asking their false god to light a sacrifice, a sacrificial fire. But their god could not do it. Elijah, on the other hand, Praise to the one true God, the Lord God of Israel, the Holy Trinity, the only God who truly exists. And pay attention if you're with us in our Leviticus Bible study on Wednesday morning. What does this one true God do? He sends fire from heaven, fire that consumes the sacrifice. Elijah pours water on top of it, so much sore that a ditch is dug and the water is overflowing, and yet God lights the fire. And Elijah triumphs over the prophets of Baal. Little known part of that story, God then sends him into a holy rage. For Elijah is given by God to bear the sword, and all of those prophets are then slaughtered by Elijah. You see what God has to say about idolatry, about sin, and about faith? Which brings us a little more to the time of Elijah. You see, 
there was a ruler of God's people of, of Israel known as King Ahab. Not the one from the story with the whale, mind you. Ahab is an idolatrous ruler. He's married to a woman by the name of Jezebel. Watch out for that name, right? Lots of jokes about her. Jezebel was the daughter of the king of Sidon. The king of Sidon was an idolatrous nation which worshipped, take a wild guess, Baal and Asherah. King Ahab had no backbone to stand up for the faith that he had been raised in and said he, he capitulated, he chose rather the path of political allegiance. And so he introduced all of his wife's religion, the religion of another country, into his. And so in response to Ahab's flagrant idolatry, Elijah then prophesied that there would be a drought against the idolaters of the land. And guess what? His prophecy which was from God, came true, which made Elijah public enemy number one. You see, when you stand in your faith, when you stand up for what is right and holy and true, when you bear the name of the Most High God both upon your brow and upon your heart and through your mouth and through your actions, the devil, the world, and your own sinful nature will not like it. And you will be attacked, dear Christians. People will see you as the number one public enemy, such it was with Elijah. So God then sends Elijah elsewhere to preserve his very life. Do any of you remember where God sends him after all of this? To the land of Sidon. Sends him right smack dab into the middle of the hornet's nest. Why? Because God desires that all people would be saved. God desires that his word would be preached, would be taught, that faith would be practiced, even in the midst of heathens and unbelievers. God sends Elijah to a widow. She had heard, she had believed. Are you ready for this? She was a Christian. She wouldn't have known what the name Christian was or entailed. If you would have said the name Jesus Christ to her, she wouldn't have known who that was. But if you read Hebrews chapter 11, she had the same faith that all people of faith have. She looked, worshipped, and believed in the one true God, trusted that there would come a Savior, someone that would provide, and that made her a Christian. Her faith, without her even knowing the details, was in Christ. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus says this, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God. How's that working out for you? For the widow, this means to prepare the morsel of bread for the prophet before feeding yourself and your son. This means putting your need for the prophetic and apostolic word, which is the word of God, above your need for the food your body craves. It means trusting that your Father in heaven loves you and for Christ's sake forgives you all your sins, that he protects you, will protect you from the evil one, delivers you, will deliver you from death, and gives you, will give you eternal life. You see, his words of promise are the most precious possession that she had in her life. 
His words of promise are the most precious possession that you have. And so God took care of Elijah through the widow of Zarephath, and he took care of the widow of Zarephath through Elijah. That's the way it works. The preachers who preach the word rely on the gifts of those who hear the preaching, pastors and people together serving each other. Which is why Pastor Paul writes in today's epistle lesson, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Thus, this widow from Zarephath stands as an example, a great example of a Christian, rich in faith. And that is the real miracle. She doesn't have any religious pedigree. She has no social standing. She has no money. She has barely any food. She's got nothing as the world measures wealth. What does she have? She has the favor of God Almighty, maker and ruler of heaven and earth, he who controls the movement of the stars and the galaxy, the rising and the setting of the sun, and rules over all nations, knows and loves now for this particular woman in this particular place and time. God uses her to provide for his prophet. Why? That God's word might be proclaimed in its truth and purity in the midst of a cesspool of false doctrine and idolatry. And this, this is a miracle. It is God's work. And this also makes her very wealthy, but not in earthly things. Now, what would you rather have? All the stuff you ever wanted... Or needed. I had someone I met a long time ago who was completely capable of working and would work from time to time. But this person would spend what little money they had in their pocket going to the convenience store and buying a lottery ticket. This person would come and talk to me, oh pastor, things will be so much better when I finally win the lottery one day. My question where did you work today? What did you do? How did you use your gifts and talents not only to serve your neighbor, but tell me all about what the Bible says, that a man who does not work shall not eat. God provides an order for things. So how about you? If you have all the stuff, but not the favor of him who owns and rules this world, guess what? Your stuff, whether you have a lot of it or a little of it, won't be safe. Moth and rust will destroy it. Rather, instead of seeking after all the stuff you ever want or need, perhaps you should seek after the favor of him who owns all the stuff you ever wanted or needed. You see, thieves break in and steal. And if it's in the form of, of paper money the government can print so much of as to make it worthless, you see, you really can't protect all your stuff. Only the God who fed Elijah, the widow, and her son can protect you and your stuff. And he knows better than you what you really need. He also knows what you can do without. You think you know because you know what you want. But to be fair, and I find this more and more as I grow a little older, what you want today and what you want tomorrow are not the same thing. 
So consider the priorities of the widow who cared for God's prophet. She was going to feed herself and her boy. Elijah insisted that she feed him first. God sent Elijah to preach God's word. And so God's word now comes first before anything else. And this is what our children need. They need God's word more than they need us. This woman knew it. She understood St. Paul's words in today's epistle lesson many years before he even wrote them. He wrote this, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. It's no sin to be wealthy. It's no virtue to be poor. Neither wealth nor poverty are signs of God's favor. St. Paul also wrote in his letter to the Philippians, I have learned in whatever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I have learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So material wealth, or the lack of it, does not define us, identify us, or provide us with true and lasting status in life. Jesus said, one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And God loves us, amazingly so. This we know. But do we know what love is? We know what love is only if God tells us what it is. That's because human notions of love are always twisted. Just as human nature has fallen from the innocence and perfection in which God created us, our notion of love is to be given things. Give me a better job, give me a better spouse, better kids, more money, more success, better health, and the list goes on and on, doesn't it? Should we suffer bodily loss? We question God's love. If he loved me, we say, wouldn't he give me? And so here we provide whatever we are lacking in life, but dearly wish we had. But God's love, his true and lasting love, his greatest of these love, is given us in his word. That's his faithfulness. And so we hear, we listen, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, we believe. God told the woman Elijah was coming and to help him, and he came and spoke God's word to her. She heard God's word, and guess what? She believed it. That's the miracle. That's why she made bread for Elijah. She believed what he said. But keep in mind, her faith was not in Elijah. It was in the God whose word Elijah spoke. That's why we as pastors even dress up when we serve you in albs, chasubles, vestments, to cover up who we are that you may know and believe that it's actually God who is serving you, so you don't confuse us. You see, God's Word, His presence that comes to be with us sinners, is our greatest treasure in this life, even when we forget it. And when we do, a bit of loss and suffering might just be what our spiritual doctor orders for us. And such, Elijah's name and reputation are permanently linked to the Christian opposition to idolatry. Idolatry is the worship of the creation instead of the creator. Worrying about feeding and clothing our bodies is a form of idolatry. 
But God is our Father. He's your Father. And He knows what you need. But defining the value of your life according to the value of money or stuff is idolatry. The value of our lives is determined by God, not by us. And if you want to know what your life is worth, whether you're barely getting by at $12 an hour or have millions of dollars in the bank, you must listen to God. And here is what he said through the Apostle Peter, 1 Peter 1. You were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but rather you were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You see, God has placed on you a far greater value than you could ever place on yourself. The value of His Son's blood. Jesus, the Lamb of God, offers Himself up on the cross as as a sacrifice to set you free. He bought you not with money, but with His own vicarious suffering and death. His innocence bore your sin. His obedience replaces your disobedience. His satisfaction of God's demands brings you God's favor. And that's the miracle that faith grasps. Christ is the fulfillment of every promise God has ever made And for Christ's sake, God has forgiven you all your sins. He's made you His own. And He's bestowed upon you a value greater than all the money in the world. Thus, it is on account of Christ, the Word made flesh, that we treasure God's Word as precious as life itself. For God's Word is miracle in action, producing faith that sustains through drought and famine through pandemics, through hurricanes and fires, sustains us even through death itself. For Christ is our life. In the name of Jesus.